This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Hello everyone. Takaho. Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. 안녕하세요. Assalamu alaikum. And Kiora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz. <laughs>
It is now 12 p.m. and you are listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. Kia everyone, I'm Arina, the station's community connector, and we are here for another live Connecting Cultures Features show. So today I'll be talking to four people from the Otago International Students Association, uh, Geraldi Ryan, Tithi Gandhi, Violina Gunawan, and Suhei Chan, about the events they have lined up for international students, and also reflecting on the events that they had during lockdown. So firstly, let's talk to Geraldi Ryan, the OUSA International Student Rep and also co-president for Otago International Students Association. Hi, Geraldi. Hello, nice to meet you. Kia ora. <laughs> Thank you for being here again. Um, I just want to mention that, oh my God, it's September and you were one, one, the, my first guest on Connecting Cultures in February. Oh, really? Yeah. That was the first one? <laughs> yes, yes, you were. Because um, I, I, I wanted to do something familiar with someone. And that was February. It's September already. And you're almost oh. leaving your job. Yeah, wow. Time flies so fast. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us about leaving the role very soon and reflecting on that? Uh, leaving the role. Uh, it's something that... I actually look forward to but now I'm like huh, I'm not looking forward to it especially with Oisa they're such a great team so proactive and I love them all my life um, <laughs> so leaving them will be quite tough um, but I think um, as people say all good things must come to an end and like I'm pretty sure the next team will make us Oisa rise to greater heights so I have full confidence in that um, so I think I'm leaving with confidence that there will be people that will take us to a higher level yeah and um, would you mind telling us about the state of international students currently um, like pre-COVID lockdown yep so just a disclaimer, apologies if this is noisy. I'm at a cafe right now and there's like a lot of kids and, you know, there's a lot of people here and it's cooking. Um, yeah, so just a disclaimer on that. Um, current, I mean, state of international students before COVID, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, hmm. I think the general consensus that international students are facing is they want a sustainable system in a way that allows them to return to their home country and return to New Zealand because currently the welfare of like the border closure has quite hit um, them down low. And I think that's what many international students are facing. I can't speak for all international students, but the many stories that I hear from international students is that they really want to find a system or they really want the government to find a system in a way that's allowing them to um, go back home and return to New Zealand yeah, that's the current. Yeah, I mean that's the state before lockdown at least. Because mm, it's been a while. It's it's been like two years um, ever since the first lockdown, and we still haven't got like a clear vision of for the current international student here. And like I think in 2022 there was supposed to be um, border reopening, but then with the current lockdown. Um, I'm not sure if that's happening again. Mm. And it's just very, very uncertain. Like, things can go 180 so fast. So, yeah, I think that worries me the most. Mm. And do you see um, any future problems that could happen, um, like, post-lockdown? Um, I think 
um, speaking from the university's perspective, I think they do realize that the importance of international education and why the university values international education. And post lockdown, if the, there's no border reopening, then you know there'll be no international students and there'll be lack of diversity. That's just one of the things that I can think of. And then the other is that. There are so many onshore international students who are currently facing financial hardships. And although, yeah, the University of Otago does have Hotea Tautoko Hardship Fund, national-wide, it's not there. I think it has stopped two weeks ago or a week ago. And because of that, many people are struggling to find more avenues of support. And that's currently the problem with you know post lockdown issues of international students mm, and it's hard for international students because we don't have uh, so many um, options right for uh, financial hardship resources yeah definitely because like the thing is when i talk to domestic students um they said that oh we can go to study link we can go to put talk Toko OSA um, Hardship Fund. Yeah, sure, like international students can use Putea Toko and OSA um, um, Student Support Hardship Fund, but then they can't use Study Link. So that's one of the avenues already out. And when the news of the emergency hardship fund from Ministry of Social Development got um, removed, then, you know, that's like one opportunity for support is lost. And they don't know where else to go other than those two what if those two get rejected yeah so it's just those kinds of support that's missing right now Hmm. and how did you encourage your team OISA to um, advocate and support international students during lockdown Um, I think it's um, in different roles they already think of like hey in my like let's say for Titi which she'll explain later about the well-being check um, that um, kind of gives us the objective to make sure that they have a break during semester. Okay, like like let me save that for TT later on to explain. <laughs> um, and then Violina also created like academic resources and a space for online group study, which Violina will explain later. So stick stick around. <laughs> so it's just on those people created those people. <laughs> um, the committee has created the, those projects to make sure that international students are well taken care of and I'm taking care of advocacy bits. So I communicate with NZISA and university. And yeah, that's actually been going well. It's been a very positive working relationship. So I'm looking forward to how we can continue that. Mm, and it's good that you have such a good team working together and in their uh, different uh, yes. spaces, right? Yes, definitely. They've been so like I think it's great because our team is very diverse with you know cultural experiences and different walks of life. So for them to just bring it to the table, it's been so amazing. Mm. Yeah. Would you mind giving a rundown of what OISA actually is? Because we do want to talk about the AGM that's going to happen soon. Oh yes. So OISA stands for Otago International Students Association. It is a um, club or society, whatever you call it organization that represents all international students studying at the University of Otago. It does expand to domestic students with international background. Um, we create events, we like such as like the International Food Festival, International Cultural Expo. Those are the big ones, but something as simple as board game nights and movie nights, that's something we also do. Um, and then for advocacy bits, we um, submitted our thoughts on the pastoral care 
code the, and then also the international peace silent protest i think that was the biggest most unexpected thing that we did but yeah we did it and <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what we sort of do and we also do talk to a lot of culture clubs so it's not just us presenting to international students but for us making sure that all affiliated culture clubs are know uh, know what they do and love what they do and yeah if there's any problems they can contact us Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And with your role as the co-president of OISA, you're also the international rep for OUSA. And recently, uh, OUSA had their elections. And now we have another, uh, the next ISR. So for those of you who don't know, I was the previous ISR before Geraldi. So it's a really interesting and really fun experience to see the people who I know um, working towards international student advocacy. Can you tell us more about... um, next year's plan if you've have if you have a talk about it with sean yes next year's plan wow it's massive i think i think i have high hopes on what oisa will bring to to the table next year i think the reason why people think we don't do as quote-unquote as much is because we're just experimenting and testing out what works and what doesn't work and just laying the foundation for next year to work on and with sean Sean is the next year's international student rep, um, just for context. Um, Sean has a lot of events planned out, and it's big, it's collaborative, and yeah, it's actually very so beneficial. I think, yeah, this is a discussion for me and Sean to have. It's just uh, making sure that, you know, those events are actually feasible and doable. Like, great events, but I don't want to overwhelm him. And just more work on advocacy bits. And I think Sean has told me all his plans and it looks pretty promising. It looks pretty um, good. So I'm, yeah, I'm actually very hopeful to see what he brings to the table. Yeah. And what's so cool is that Sean is also our friend. So it's like, you know, we've got a team and we're all like supporting each other as friends and also as people who care about international students. And I think that's the best thing about the international student network is that we all, we all are friends and we all support each other. Yes, definitely. I think that's so great. I think... From April, like April last, um, this year, Sean has been like, I want to be the international student rep. And I was like, well, go for it. Like, honestly, like, um, I don't need to like, you know, tell him he's already won it. So, yeah. yeah, that's been so great. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the OISA AGM and uh, maybe talk a bit about your roles to encourage people to run. Um, so the OISA AGM, just giving the details. Tales first. It's hosted at the 2nd of October from 1pm to 3pm. Locations uh, to be confirmed or to be determined because of level lockdowns, but we're most likely looking at online AGM. Um, so my role as the co-president is just overseeing the committee, making sure that, that they know what to do and um, you know, updating them with time-sensitive issues as well. Um, just bridging the gap between OUSA and student community. That's what my role kind of sees. I mean, that's what my role kind of does. Um, and yeah, like host events, like kind of in general aspects, such as the mix and mingle, um, creating a safe space for international students. Um, yeah, that's kind of like the very short scope of what co-president does. But yeah, like that's all actually I can think of mm. right now. Yeah. And when is the AGM happening? Um, 2nd October 1 to 3pm yeah and do we have a look yep do we have a location and details about that um 
to be confirmed, to be determined because of lockdown levels. <laughs> mm, yeah, true. Um, but most likely looking at online. Mm, yeah. yeah, and that is quite um, understandable with the ma- the many people that could be there. Um, I remember last time during our IGM, it was like around fifty people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's why it's like really massive. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually it. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Geraldi, for talking to me today. And I'm really excited to talk to your other community members. Uh, and we'll start with Tithi later um, after this one. Nice. All right. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Kia ora. Kia ora, Tithi. Thank you for being here today. Hi, Irina. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> yes, uh, you were interviewed in uh, on the Arenality, uh, and we were talking about your story, and now it's about your role specifically as the uh, OISA Wellbeing Officer. Yeah, it's really exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, firstly, let's talk about why you ran for the Wellbeing Officer in the first place. I know it's been a while. It's been like last year, but we do want to <laughs> encourage uh, people who might be interested in your role to run as well. Right. Um, Yeah, I am quite looking forward to the candidates for next year. Um, The reason I joined um, OISA as the Welfare and Equity Officer is because I really wanted to advocate for the mental health issues that many international students um, face on a day-to-day basis. I feel like it's not talked about as much as it should be talked about, especially now that, you know, COVID is such a big situation worldwide and a lot of students haven't been able to go back home. So that factor of homesickness really kind of integrates into all the other mental issues that people, you know, personally have to face on a day-to-day basis. Um, So that was something that I did want to advocate for. Um, Apart from that, also other social issues like, you know, racism, discrimination, um, the inability to voice opinions as well as they could. Uh, Those were some of the other factors that I also wanted to talk about. Um, Yeah, so those were some of the goals I had in mind when I joined the OISA committee and been absolutely wholesome and I'm really grateful for the opportunity I had yeah yeah and that's a lot right being the well-being officer it's not just about like mental well-being there's like a lot of other social issues that could affect well-being um what were the things that you had to experience with um while you were well-being officer because you know how some um life experience I like things that happen in the media that also affect students what were the things you experienced Um, I feel like throughout this year there were a lot of social issues going on around the world and people that belong to countries that had those kind of issues had a lot of um, kind of problems in the way that they could address those issues especially since they were not physically present with their families and friends back at home so uh, personally I got a lot of um, I'd say uh, not feedback per se but um, I got a lot of people voicing their concerns to me personally and it was very hard to address those issues because to be honest we are all in the same boat and as a student for me to actually address the issue without having an upper hand makes it a little bit difficult because as much as I would like to try and help them obviously there's not much we can do when there's so much you know chaos going on in the world so what I tried to do as my, uh, in my role is, you know, guide them to the right people, kind of give them a safe space to talk about their concerns and things like that. Um, I also had a few people who underwent um, 
a lot of medical problems this year. And so um, dealing with that along with, you know, the pressures of university was quite a lot for them to kind of balance. So that was, again, one of the challenges that I'd not anticipated. And it was it was a challenge that I undertook, and I'm quite grateful with the way I handled it. But obviously, I do hope that the Welfare and Equity Officer of next year continues to do the same because it really does need to be addressed. And it's not something that can be done in one year or two years. It's something that has to be ongoing mm. um, and has to be addressed on like a daily basis. Yeah, and I can relate to you when you said about feeling helpless, that you can't yes. do more and mm-hmm. always thinking about like, um, what are the what are the things that I can control and what are the things I can't because if you try to control something that you can't control that's when you burn out and you feel like you're not doing enough but actually you can't right and yeah <laughs> and how oh, yeah, right yeah because um, I'm personally interested in that because I do have a similar role to you know I'm passionate about diversity talking mm-hmm. about belonging um, how do you set like a boundary between um, what you can do to other people and how you can take care of yourself along the way? Yeah, um, well, the way I deal with this is probably very different from how most other people deal with it because each person has a different way in which they deal with different situations. What I try to do is when I'm when I take on the role um, as uh, you know, the welfare and equity officer, I only focus on the issues that I have to deal with with respect to my role, and I kind of leave my personal things aside. And then when I deal with my personal issues, I focus on them and kind of put my role aside. So I, I try and categorize things, and I find that that's quite helpful for me. So I take things one at a time. So if I'm trying to address an issue about a person's mental health, then that's what I focus on. And I try and keep my issues aside, try and listen to them with an open mind and address those issues without kind of, you know, letting other things interfere with that. Mm, That's a very good skill to have, like setting boundaries, right? Between your work and your personal life. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, So... What was it that what what was your personal reason why you ran for the role? Um, I think you did mention this, but like, um, were there experiences that led you to run the role? Um, I would say uh, when I came from India two years ago now. During my first year, there were a lot of mental issues that I had to handle by myself and I did not have a lot of people helping me out. So it was something that I had to navigate on my own and it was quite difficult. Eventually, I learned how to do it in the best way possible for me. But then I didn't want other people facing the same things to undergo what I went through or whatever they're going through. I wanted to be there for them and, you know, provide them a platform to be able to voice their opinions and help them out. And I feel like as my... um, role as a welfare and equity officer and just being part of the oyster committee we did so many lovely things for international students and they were so grateful as well every time we did an event and we asked for feedback we got the most amazing feedbacks from people and they were so happy with all the events they were like oh my god yes we should have more of this and that's exactly what we wanted and 
yeah, that's something that I really wanted to advocate for personally because I never had the opportunity in first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a very um, leadership trait, right? To be able yeah. to want that for other people. Um, so let's talk about the uh, OICEL well-being checks over lockdown because that was all over my social media and I was so happy to see them because even though I wasn't a student, like I don't study anymore, but I feel like it was something I needed to read as well. So can you tell us about the project and some uh, tips that you have for the people listening? Oh, yes. Um, so initially, um, we, we planned to do a really fun interactive event that was not supposed to be online. Um, but because of uh, the sudden changes in lockdown levels, we had to kind of shift to something that we could do online. So I was really put on the spot because I really wanted to do something in my role as a welfare and equity officer before the end of this year. So I decided to do a well-being check during the mid-semester break. Um, personally, I did it because I knew that a lot of students were kind of stressed out and worn out because of the pressures of you know university life. And I felt that during the break, they had to kind of you know, just just take a little breather and step back away from all the work and kind of focus on themselves a little bit. So I told all the exec members of my um, committee to kind of give three well-being tips for people. And we made like a daily well-being check on our social media platforms. And it was really good because all the exec members were, you know, suggesting ways that helped them you know, get through lockdown or just to deal with their own mental issues. And I feel like uh, the people reading it must have benefited it somehow because there were some really good tips. I personally loved everything that I read. There were like really cute pictures and little blurbs and funny anecdotes and whatnot. So it was nice. It was nice to see that people were trying, you know, to take care of themselves. And yeah, it was something that I absolutely loved. Yeah, I think what was special about it was that um, each day was from a different member and it's so diverse. Like you can tell yeah. like, okay, this one's a sporty one. This one's like a uh, eat healthy one. This one's like a spiritual one. You know, it's so different. And I think I really like how there were so many choices of the things that we could try because we don't know if something is for us or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, true. It was very personalized. I love it. It kind of reflects a person's character as well. Like if you read my post, it was really quirky and weird. And so people reading that were probably like, yeah, she's, she's, a, she's a weird person. <laughs> Can you tell us yours? <laughs> um, would you like me to read some yes, of the things? Yes. That, so I, I love tea. I love drinking tea. So I was experimenting with different types of tea and, um, you know, just just adding different spices, adding milk and trying the weirdest things. And I also love plants, but I can't keep a plant alive to save my life. So I only have succulents and cacti in my room. So when you come into my room, you just see weird cacti and succulents literally everywhere. You're a plant lady. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a a crazy plant lady. Um, I also love baking now. Mm. Um, What do you mean by baking now? Was that a new skill? I used to hate it. Oh, God. Because it requires so much patience. You have to wait for like an hour until something kind of, you know, blows up in the oven <laughs> and it's edible. Huh. Is that a new but skill that you learned during lockdown? I did. I, I baked a lot, gained a few kilos, but I don't regret it. <laughs> Doesn't <as> matter. <laughs> what matters is that it. you're feeling good about yourself and you're getting such good treats. Yep, I loved it. I, I don't have any regrets. So yeah, those are the, the little quirky things that I shared. 
That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were the other members' um, tips that surprised you? Um, I remember Geraldi talking about taking a break at the end of the day. I thought I thought that was really good because me, I tend to just overload myself. So reading that was like kind of encouraging me to you know stop whatever I'm doing and actually go to bed. Um, and then there were things like meditation, taking care of your skin, going out for a walk, and talking to a friend, just sitting down watching Netflix. Just little things like that from other exec members, which was just nice to read and gave me good ideas on how I could, you know, take a break. Yeah, because sometimes you know it already. You just need that reminder. Yeah, like Titi, take a break, go do some creative drawing. That sort of thing, and you're like, okay, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, thank you so much for the work you do um, for the well-being checks because that was something. Even though I was a student, but I needed that on my um, timeline. You know, it's it was very important for to me, and I think for a lot of people as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, thank you so much for talking to me, Tithi. So um, up next, we will be talking to Violina about the Oyster Academic Resources. Oh, no. 
Kiara Bio. Kiara. Thank you for being here today. It's really nice to see you in Zoom. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> yes. Um, so you are the OISA academic officer. Do you mind telling us about the role and why you ran for that role in the first place, which was last year? But if you can reflect on that after a year. <laughs> mm. So the academic officer um, is part of the um, one of the OISA's advocacy role. So I think my role is mainly um, around the teaching and learning activities that's happening in the university and then mainly concern the international students. So why did I run for the academic officer? I think... Um, it is something that's quite familiar to me, but I want to challenge myself further. So I've been involved in quite a lot of organizations since I was in high school. So it's been something that I quite enjoy for some time now. And specifically for academic officers, because I think I enjoy learning, not necessarily studying though. But <laughs> yeah, I think it's a very um, unique and endearing and exciting process. So having been here for almost four years now, I've become fascinated on how um, teaching and learning activities can be so different and supportive as well. So um from the processes that I've observed from my peers and also my students, then I just keep thinking, oh, maybe these things could do better, you know, and it could be better this way. So that's why I decided to combine the two and apply for the role. Hmm. And you, your work is around like international students. Can you tell me how that can be a different to, uh, say, a role for <laughs> domestic students? Sorry, I'll just mute. <laughs> so um, I think the main thing is, um, well, a lot of people think language barrier is a thing, but it's not necessarily um, the way that um, you can't understand English, therefore you can't understand what you're learning. It's also the technical terms. For example, if you're learning something that is very local to New Zealand, like the terms and the slangs, you also need to overcome that as an international student. And um, sometimes the lecturers will throw jokes. Well, this is my personal experience. Sometimes one of my lecturers will throw jokes and I don't understand why the rest of the class are laughing. And I just kind of look around and say, ha, 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 you know? And then... Um, yeah, and then aside from that, I think um, a lot of um, complex, uh, it's a very complex process as well because a lot of different things tied to how you perform academically. So, for example, your well-being and, you know, how, how far you're away from home and how you can, you know, overcome that also fix how you study. Yeah. So yeah, hmm. mm. and um, the academic officer has an integral role to um, work around that and provide resources for international students. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so I heard that the OISA AGM is coming soon. Mm. How would you encourage people to run for your role? Hmm. Good question. I think if you enjoy working with different people with the same goal, 
I think that's the first indication to run for OISA roles anyway. And um, if learning and teaching is something that you're into and, um, you know, helping if you enjoy helping your friends studying or um, helping um, or, or enjoy giving that type of support to your friends, you know, I think academic officer is really a good role to apply for. Mm. Yeah, so definitely go for it. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, so I know that during lockdown, um, OISA provided a lot of like um, social media, um, like what's that word? Graphics about resources. And I saw one specifically for academic resource. Can you tell us um, the project behind that? Was that because of COVID or have you always, um, were you always meant to do that even before? Mm. So I think um, the idea of that project was, um, fi- I was finding a um, academic support provided by the university that specifically caters for international students. So I was just roaming around the website of the university and then I found this um, English as second language um, support, like the group conversation and stuff like that. And I thought, whoa, this is actually really good. And not to generalize how um, international students would Uh, typically struggle with English but I think this is a good starting point um, on the university providing um, support for international students especially in academic um, field so I reach out to um, the team and as well as the staff at the um, student learning development or the HEDC and then start talking to them and then they said oh actually we also have other services like peer writers and one-on-one academic consultation with the staff which is really good and unfortunately people for some reason people there's not many people or many students using those services so I think well maybe we can help promoting these services because um, let's be honest a lot of the times the websites in the university is quite hard to navigate so I think uh, visual media is friendlier to students so that's the idea behind the project yeah Mm, and that's a really good one just knowing that there are so many services out there which isn't known uh, to mm. students um, another question I have for you is that yeah we just went out of lockdown during lockdown and probably like it's still affected now what are the issues that you see international students are having and could be having but we're just not aware of it mm. so I think it's quite uniform with um any other students regardless of whether they're domestic or internationals so for example they'll be having difficulty to concentrate in a study space where it's used to be a space where you sleep you eat you shower you know but then it becomes a space that you have to work in and the main difference is probably that um, domestic students are able to go home during the lockdown um, and maybe be able to study in an environment that supports them. Like, for example, they don't have to um, 
I don't know, cook for themselves during the day or because their family is already cooked dinner so they can just eat dinner. Whereas for international students, we also have to do those things ourselves while um, keeping up with our studies, which is, um, you can say it's not a big difference from what we've been doing, but I think being in the same space over um, in such a long period of time can really change how you feel inside and um, you just have more time to overthink a lot of things and more time to miss your family and stuff like that because not as many activities can keep you busy so yeah yeah I that's a really good one I didn't really think about that one um, about the social support you know um, that's something that's lacking for us and especially because borders for international students haven't opened for almost two years so we still a lot of us are still stuck here but we can't go back because knowing that we can't come back in mm-hmm. mm. yeah mm. yeah absolutely yeah um, so to wrap up this conversation would you Tell us some academic resources that students can look into if they are looking for anything about the university or specifically for international students. Mm. I think um, that if you're a new international student, uh, you can talk to the current international student studying in Otago by going to the um, Uni Buddy Ambassadors um, website. I'm not too sure how to navigate through that. Actually, <laughs> but yeah, you can talk to them um, and ask them what's the experience is like. And then, if you're a current student, I highly recommend to check out the HEDC or the Student Learning Development website because they have lots of resources there, such as PASS, probably the one of the most famous one. And then I think starting next year, PASS will also cater for 200-level papers as well. So make sure to check out whether your paper is included. And then um, also library website is a good one because there's PASS papers and then textbooks. I do not vouch to buy um, textbooks unless it's a textbook that will be used throughout the degree. So the library sometimes have the PDF versions of the textbooks and lots of journals as well for your essay writing. So yeah, definitely make use of that. Oh, thank you so much, Vio. I wish I knew more about the textbooks when I was a student because I, I think I bought most of the books that I needed, which I really regret because I didn't even use it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a really good resource. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me and encouraging mm-hmm. people to run for the academic officer role. No, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So up next, we'll be talking to Suhei Chan, the social media officer for OISA. Kira, so hey. Kira, nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you again. Did again. you know that you were one of the last people I saw before lockdown happened? Oh, I see, I see. Now, I really had a really good time with the um, interview I had that time. Thank you so much for providing that opportunity. Yeah, so for people listening, um, Sohei and I had a conversation about Japanese culture and wellness and well-being, which is really interesting. Um, so if you want to know more about that, you can find the podcast on Connecting Cultures Features. Um but today, we're talking to Suhei as an OISA social media officer. So, Suhei, do you mind telling us what the social media officer role entails? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, social media officer uh, is a really, really cool job in terms of uh, it's doing a lot of background stuff, but also things at the front. So, what I mean by that is that you do a lot of、um, creation or promotional posters, banners, and materials to the audience, and you try to promote events held by the OISA, or you can also promote stuff of other international cultures. And yeah.、Um, Events and stuff. You can also take photography, photos to promote the、um, how how the event looks and stuff. And yeah, those are like the main two things that I do. And why did you choose to run that role in the first place? Okay, so this is something that、um, I really, really agree with you in terms of the fact that、um, if you want to basically commit your time to for a better cause. This is something that I really, really highly recommend doing. So the fact that through this role I got to meet amazing people like our president Geraldi and like V and stuff—it's just so, so cool. And the fact that、um, there's also you get to meet a lot of、um, cult- you get to immerse yourself in lots of cultures, such as the、um, cultural carnival that happened a couple of months ago before lockdown. That was really, really cool. Got to meet. A lot of people there as well. So,、um, yeah, those are the things that I really, really have fun.、Mm, yeah, I, I think it's such a interesting, diverse group to to be around with.、Um, yes. How would you encourage people to run the social media run for the social media officer role? Yeah. So I think the biggest one that makes the social media officer role really, really unique from other roles. Is the fact that you can introduce a lot of creative side into your work, and what I mean by that is that、um, if you like taking photos, if you like creating art and stuff, you can directly apply that to this role. So I've always been a big fan of creating promotional、um, posters and like creating content and stuff. So like just being able to do that as a job. I think that's really really cool about being a social media officer,、hmm. and it's good、mm. for your CV as well because you know、mm. that that is that is that might be a pathway that you might want to take in the future, and you have、yes. that formal experience. Yeah.、Um, and I do want people to know about your passion for photography. So hey, can you tell us more <laughs> about that? Because that must have、yeah. um, affected a lot about、um, your、mm. role. Yes, yes.、Um, thank you so much for asking that.、Um, it is definitely one of my passions. And、uh, with regards to what kind of photography I do, I've been trying to do a bit of film photography. It's a little bit different to digital in the way, but it's like an old school way of doing photos, where you burn the images onto a film and you develop them and scan them, and then you get an image. So that's going back to the old school roots. I really, really enjoy photography in the sense that. A lot of the pictures that come out are quite imperfect, but something about that imperfectness is also an aesthetic for me as well.、Um, it's also like capturing the moment in your life, and the fact that you in、um, film photography, you don't know what the photo is going to turn out like. So, what that means is that you become very, very deliberate with what you take. So you always think about all the factors before you take a photo, like all the factors, like oh, does the background look good, the lighting look good, the subject of the photo looks good, and stuff. And I think 
you used to put a lot more thought into it than just going because film photography is definitely a little bit expensive so i don't know um everything about it it was really really feeds into my hobby and my passion yeah that's so true though because nowadays because we use instant cameras or our phones we can just mm. click a hundred clicks and yes yes find one that's the most perfect and it's like yeah. a really fast thing like mm-hmm. and then we post it on social media yeah. um but with film photography there's the elements of patience <laughs> and waiting and like really appreciating that one film, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that skill also plays a part into the OISA social media role in terms of when you're creating content for the audience, you really, really need to make sure it's deliberate. So make sure the target audience is met or like the things that you really, really want to promote about that's really, really bold and easy for the audience to look at. So those are the things that I think played into the part of me being a social media officer. Hmm. And can you tell us some tips on social media? Because you did mention about it being that, mm-hmm. you know, it's good to be deliberate about our content. Can you tell us mm-hmm. some tips that you do for the OISA uh, Instagrams and Facebook? Yeah, so... Um, I think it's a little bit of um, a little bit of um, feeling to it. So it's really, really subjective, to be honest, because I feel like a lot of artistic thing or beautiful things is really, really subjective for each person. But when I say deliberate, those are the things are the, that makes the core part of the poster, such as like the dates or the key messages that I want to give out on the poster. So those things, when I do make uh, content on Instagram or Facebook, I make sure those are really, really bold really really easy to catch eyes on sometimes i always um alter the color and color as well so like colors like red and yellow are quite eye-catching so making sure i use those colors for really really important information such as the date or the title of the event and stuff but also maintaining a consistent feed across the instagram or facebook is also good so what i mean by that is that when some some people that are interested in OISA come back to our feed they can see that there's consistency going on and I can maintain that consistency through such as the same font or the same logo always placed that OISA logo and stuff yeah Mm, that's really interesting that's um yeah I mean as someone who uses Instagram definitely the most um, consistent feeds mm. are the most eye-catching one and you would yeah. call them like aesthetic you know but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> aesthetic means different uh there's, cool. there's difference in aesthetics in different accounts so that's for yeah sure, for sure hmm. um if i if i could suggest something though um something um i do not just for oisa but for myself as well is that sometimes um social media could be a little bit emotionally draining in the way that Um, you intrinsically might compare yourself to other people. So uh, at least for Instagram, there's a really, really cool technique where you can mute um, particular posts and stories that could really, really negatively affect your mental state. So what I've been doing a lot is that um, I just tend to mute um, all the things like, um, I don't know, uh, like influencers or whatever. Like Just think, just follow whatever you really really feel comfortable my my instagram feed is just covered in like um things that i love like film photography uh cats and dogs um, lego whatever so yeah those are the things i think of when i 
do social media. That's a really good tip, especially for now when yeah, we're yeah. post. You know, in this virtual world, when everything is mm. virtual, we are consumed. We are asked to be consumed by all these information yes. um, mm. consistently. Yeah. Um, and that's a very good because um, mm. I, I remember during lockdown that was something I struggled with, and I went mm. on a. I deactivate my Instagram for a bit just mm. to like mm. clear my head. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's really important to shut, uh, know what's important for you, and cut off things that are affecting you negatively. Yeah, I totally agree. And something I used to practice is um, going through my following list a couple mm. of times and asking myself, "Do I care? Do I care? Do I care? Oh, <laughs> like, do I actually care okay. about this person, or do I actually care about this this content? If I don't, I, mm. I'll just unfollow, even though that person mm. may be following me, but." If mm. that's not something I want to, you know, mm. no. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. To, because yeah. it could be emotionally draining, as you said. Yeah. yeah. That's a very good one, Sohei. Thank you Thank so you. much for sharing <laughs> that. Um, and let's talk about the OISA photography competition, which you are <laughs> organizing. Yeah, actually, it's happening in the moment right now. I'm really, really excited. It's the uh, first event that I got to. I'm grateful that I got the chance to do it this year as a OSA a social media officer. I've also something I've always wanted to hold a photography competition. So, thank you so much to OSA committee members for allowing me to do that. But basically, um, it's already started. The photo submission started on the 13th of September, so this week Monday, and then it's going to end on Friday, September 17th. And basically, you want to submit any kind of photos. And um, it has to have a cultural relevancy, and then um, voting will start taking place on the twentieth of September and twenty fourth of September. It's really really simple. The photos that had the most like on both Instagram or Facebook wins the prize, and the amazing prize is actually a film camera, a disposable film camera from our local store, Jonathan's Photo Warehouse. Um, so if you, I know that people are a bit uh, reluctant to come into film photography or anything but uh, disposable cameras are like the really really easy beginner entry level stuff so um, if you're really interested in just taking photos and stuff I think it's a really really cool way to express your aesthetics and also be able to win a really cool prize thank you so much Sohei your face just glows up when you when you were <laughs> talking about this you could, you could really see how passionate he was talking about oh, this competition um, and I'm really um, proud that you are organizing this and thank you and, so much thank you yeah and I'm really excited to see the um, mm. the competition and who's yes, gonna yes. Uh, win and really excited for that yeah yeah just a sneak peek some of the photos that have been sent are so good. It makes me really, really happy. So stay tuned for the actual photos to be posted on Monday. Exciting, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you so much, Suhei. So before thank we wrap so up this conversation, do you have any last words to say? No, no, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to talk about our roles and yeah, asking about our um, events that's running by OIC and stuff. Thank you so much. Hmm. Oh, and just to recap this whole conversation, since you're mm. the last OISA member that I'm speaking mm. to, um, where can people find information about the AGM? AGM. I think the um, easiest way to 
find the information about AGM is just to go to our Facebook page or Instagram. Um, just go OISA, Otago University International Students Association, and that's it. All the information of events, AGM, anything will be on there. All right. Thank you so much, Hey. Thank you so much. Join myself, Arina, the station's community connector, every Friday at 12pm for the new Connecting Cultures Features live show, featuring interviews with the multicultural people of Dunedin. So up next, we have the Dunedin Community Notice Board for you to find out about events and notices from the Dunedin community. Thanks for listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.